This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. See you here on a Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. Like Sydney said, our last Sunday in February. So we'll trust God and believe God it's going to be good. If you got your Bible, go with me to the book of John chapter 6. We are starting a new series on the Holy Spirit. And so I just want you to wade out into the shallow wind with me today, okay? You don't have to freak out. I think a lot of times when we mention the Holy Spirit, people are thinking, oh no, pastor's going charismatic on us. No, I think we've done a disservice within the body of Christ about not teaching on the Holy Spirit. And so when I think about the Holy Spirit, if you go back to the beginning of time, you see the Holy Spirit referenced in Genesis 1, verse 2. So he was active in creation. And as time goes on, you begin to see the prophet Zechariah said in Zechariah 4, 6, it's not by might nor by power, but the Spirit of God says the Lord. Says the Lord. And then you look, scripturally, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. The apostles were. And so something happens in my life when I, I get filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to take some scripture today, beginning in John 6, that I, I believe beginning today is going to give you some biblical background on this. John 6, verse number 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. It's the Spirit that gives life. Now, if you'll notice, that's red letter words right there. The Lord Jesus said, it's the Spirit that gives life. I want you to really gaze at that. I want you to take that in right there. It's the spirit that gives life. There's not, not another option right here. This is, this is what the Lord Jesus says. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit gives life, I'm not talking about him just allowing you to breathe and to exist, that he puts within every one of us a, a passion that the desires of the things of heaven come alive in us. And so the answer when I, I lack life is still the Holy Spirit. But what happens to us many times as human beings, we look to anything and everything but the Holy Spirit. And so I, I gotta get a hold right here of Jesus's words. It's the Spirit that gives life. He, he takes ordinary people and he makes us extraordinary. He goes on to say this, for the flesh profits nothing or my flesh profits nothing. In other words, you're not gonna do it by sheer muscle, sheer willpower. If you think you're gonna achieve in this spiritual walk by your flesh, it's not gonna happen. And he ends the verse 63 and says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And so do not lose hope or do not lose the fact of what Jesus said. It's the spirit that gives life. Now turn to your right there to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And we're gonna dig in a little bit more. And what you'll begin to see here is red letter words, Jesus' words exactly. You know, when people get born again and they say, where, where do you think is the best blessed the best place to start reading? I believe it may be the book of John. There's just so much in here that is very enlightening to all believers. John chapter 14, verse 15. 
If you love me, keep my commandments. The verb keep. And so those who love Christ will literally prove their devotion by their obedience. If you love me, obey me. Now, when I read that, it's a lot easier to read that than to actually achieve that. So I find that in my own life. And I believe this will bear witness with every one of us in here. If you're born again, you love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus with all my heart. I acknowledge everything that he's done for me. But it's one thing to say I love Jesus and it's a whole thing, a whole other thing to say, I'm going to obey you, Jesus. And I believe even in those terms, that's the, the dilemma the apostle Peter and the apostle Paul walked in. And so the things that I want to do, that's what I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, that's what I do. How many have ever been there? So he says right here, if you love me, keep my, my commandments. But Jesus doesn't just leave it as hanging here and says, figure it out on your own. No, look what he says next. And I will pray the Father, or I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. One like me, one addition to me, one who in my absence, he'll do the things that I would do if I was physically with you. And so when he talks about the helper right here, I will give you a, a, another helper. One of the, the names for helper right here is an advocate. He becomes my defense attorney. He stands with me. And he says that he may abide with you forever. Now, this was the Lord Jesus is writing here. No, now, right now, just on your, your Bible or in your head, keep hold of that fact. He said, he'll abide with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. The reason the world can't see him or know him, you gotta be born again. And so the Lord Jesus right here, he highlights the spirit of truth. And it's interesting, he said, that you know him. That you know him. Now, when I read this right here, it's one thing to know about the, the spirit of truth, but it's a completely different thing to actually know him. And so what I believe happens to us a lot of times as born-again Christians we hear teachings about the Holy Spirit. We may have doctrine, theology about the Holy Spirit. We may have heard you must be filled with the Spirit. We may hear about the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. But those teachings can be totally different than, but you know him. So even though I've heard teachings about the Holy Spirit my entire life maybe, do I really know him? Do, do, do I really know him? And the proof that you really know anybody is you've got to spend time with them and develop a relationship. But the biggest proof to me that you know the Holy Spirit 
Is there visual evidence that there's marks and change in your life that you're now different? That once you got born again, I don't talk like I used to and I don't act like I used to. I can tell you this in my life. I'm 19 years old. I, I know basically zero about the Lord. I give my heart to Jesus. I get born again. I fall in love with Jesus. But the minute I got born again, all those sinful appetites and all those sinful lusts that I had, they didn't stop. Does that bear witness with any of you? They didn't stop. They kept existing in my life. And then at the age of 19, I remember five days in a row, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week, every day for two hours, I heard a teaching on the Holy Spirit. Very similar to what you're going to get today. And day after day, I would hear truths of what the Lord Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And at the end of that week, the guy said, I want to pray for you that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you biblically all that today. But once I got born again and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, the things that I used to do that didn't bother me now started bothering me. I didn't like what was happening in me. And I'm going to be very honest in this right here. I didn't fully understand everything about the Holy Spirit. But I knew that there was something changing within me. And I knew if the Lord Jesus said, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I wanted every bit of the Holy Spirit that I could get. And he said, but you know him. So is it possible to know about him but not know him? He goes on to say, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus refers to his coming in the person of the Holy Spirit right here. This is what Jesus does. So this is what happened in my life. I get filled with the Holy Spirit. And the more I relinquish control to the Holy Spirit, the better my life became. And oftentimes, humanity, we don't want to relinquish control. I want to be in charge. So what began to happen, the more I responded to the Holy Spirit, the more there was change in my life. Now, same chapter, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. Now, this is the Lord Jesus talking to his disciples. But the helper, this one right here where it says helper is referenced the comforter. But the helper or comforter, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus right now, he begins to fill in the blank. He, he tells me who the spirit of truth is. He tells me to the, who the helper is. He tells me who the comforter is. The Holy Spirit. Now, I told you to hang on to what Jesus said. He'll live and abide in you forever. What's the definition of forever? Forever. You know what that tells me? The Holy Spirit is still alive and active right now. And the reason I highlight that is because there's theology that comes out that's false that says... The Holy Spirit's gone. He's no, nowhere around anymore. 
But if that was the truth, why did Jesus say he'll abide in you forever? And so he keeps going on here in verse 26 and he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Now, if you look at something real close here, our heavenly Father, Yahweh, the great Jehovah, and the Lord Jesus, they both endorsed the Holy Spirit. Both of them. He said, he will teach you all things. He will teach you how to obey the commandments. He'll teach you the things of heaven and that all the things in remembrance that I said to you. And so guess what? The Lord is telling his disciples, he said, there's gonna come a day when the things that I taught you, these will come alive in you. They'll, they'll come back to your remembrance. And so I highlight a guy in here named the Apostle Paul here. He helped him. And so what literally takes place is he enables believers to live like Christ would desire us to live. The Passion Translation says, the one who sets you free, the one who inspires you. So every one of us, when we give our heart to Jesus, we come with what I call baggage. We come with sin issues. We come with guilt issues, shame, sorrow, discouragement. And you say, yes, pastor, every one of those, I check by nine name. And I believe this is the disservice that we do as the church to the body of Christ. We think people are gonna get set free from sin Guilt, shame, discourage on your own power. Good luck with that one. And so what the Lord Jesus right here is saying right here, the source of comfort is the only the Holy Spirit. The source of help is only the Holy Spirit. The source of the teacher that will lead is only the... So guess what? There is no other options. But it's interesting, the church has downplayed the Holy Spirit. The further I go on in life, very seldom you hear the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to go with me to the book of John, uh, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter number 1. And as you're turning to Acts 1, what you'll begin to see here is through the scriptures is it's like a triangle. John 14 takes you to Acts 1. Acts 1 will take you to Luke 24. It's just like that. They all complement. That's where we're going today, if I preach fast enough. So we go to Acts. Many reference Acts as the Acts of the disciples. Some references the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now, I don't know if you figured this out or not, but the Lord Jesus had a PhD in life. He understood life. Until the day it's when he was taken up after he, the Lord Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, had given the commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now, if you'll read closely right there, the, the Lord Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. You know, the Lord Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Keep reading, verse 3. 
to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So if you study scriptures, remember, after Jesus rose from the dead, he came back on this earth for 40 days. This part of the scripture, this is where Jesus is at right now. He's in that 40 days. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, the 11 disciples, Judas is gone now, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which said, he said, you have heard from me. Okay, you see the Trinity right here in verse four. The Father, who you've heard endorsed from me, the promise of the Spirit, the promise of the Helper. If you notice as Jesus' word, he said, I command it. I command you. He didn't say, hey, I highly suggest this. I, I take it however you want. No, he said, I command you. Wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Now, I'm sure the disciples were thinking, what is he talking about? What's, what's the promise of the Father? Verse 5, and Jesus explains this. For John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized or you shall be immersed with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now the Lord Jesus immediately tells us what the promise of the Father or who the promise of the Father was. The Holy Spirit. So what Jesus is doing here, he is transferring the power and the responsibility to his disciples, baptizing them the same spirit that authorized his ministry. Look closely. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had heard this, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at time restore the kingdom of Israel? Is this it? Is this the last days? And Jesus responds and says, he said to them, boys, boys, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his authority. God sets the dates. God sets the timetable. We don't. You know what I think he's telling them? Don't try to figure out the exact day the Lord Jesus is coming back. Nobody knows that hour of that day. Jesus said he doesn't even know it. So you know what I believe? Don't waste your time on stuff like that. Verse 8. But you shall receive. Most believe right here. Acts 1 verse 8 is the key verse to the entire book of Acts. In other words, you got to get this verse, okay? But you shall receive, you shall not earn, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be seized with power. The Old Testament used the word anointing. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The work of the Spirit upon you and within you 
the Lord's distinctive purpose of filling people with the Spirit of God to empower individuals in the church for ministry. Now, hone in here on me just a second. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. I believe Jesus is telling them, you're not going to fulfill my desire for you unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. This was Jesus' last words while he was on the earth, right here. Now, I'm not going to verse 9, but after he says this, he says, hostile lasagna, and he goes to heaven. He's gone. Poof, he does a Peter Pan on him. Don't you think that Jesus would want his last words to stick with them? So he said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power for what? That you shall become witnesses, that you shall become messengers to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so what you begin to see here is the focus was on the mission of believers, ones that could not be accomplished without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I got to have the Holy Spirit. Got to have the Holy Spirit. So I begin to think about this. One of the disciples was Peter. Peter had walked the earth with Jesus for three years. He had been around Jesus over and over. Now, if you study Peter's life, Peter had the ability to put his foot in his mouth. Many times Peter talked before he thought. Think about this. Peter is the disciple that rebuked Jesus. Now, if you rebuke Jesus, you're incredibly bold or incredibly stupid. Peter is the same disciple that denied Jesus. Peter's the same disciple that betrayed Jesus. But Peter is one that waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. And before long, Peter began to change incredibly. He began to change noticeably. And so I think about this. Not only Peter, but the Apostle Paul. So the only thing that I put in the equation was they got filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit took these ordinary men, these people that were viewed as nobodies, fishermen, and he transformed them into messengers for him. He, he took ordinary and he made them extraordinary. Only through the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when I see this crazy change that took place in these guys, those were some of the crazy changes that took place in this guy. And I've seen many men and women in this room. And so, yes, it's very important that you get born again. But I set you up to fail if I don't teach you about the Holy Spirit. This is how significant the power of the Holy Spirit is. So, if we think our church is going to change, our family members are going to change, our loved ones are going to change, 
They're not going to change unless we get back to the things of the Holy Spirit. Even right here in this house and, and the church as a whole, we've proven we can have eloquent speakers. We can have incredible singers and musicians. We can have the latest and greatest of graphics with social media. We can have the greatest props. We can wear military fatigues. We can have the, the, the greatest sound systems. But if we don't teach people the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing changes. Nothing changes. What a disservice. And so what, what begins to happen within the church is we get born again, but our lives and the way we live doesn't look any different than the world's. And so what's happened is we've tried to do this with human achievement. We've thought all we got to do is have this gifted speaker and everything will take place. Well, you can get a big church that way, but God doesn't applaud it. And so God is looking for ones that will actually teach people the truth of the word of God. So I told you, we're going to wade out in this and the next three, four, five, six weeks, I don't know how long, we're going to let the scriptures teach us. We're going to let the Lord Jesus teach us. And I want every one of us to say, I'm, I'm open to the Holy Spirit. Look with me in the book of Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. I believe the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus right now is in dire need of a move of the Holy Spirit. I, I'm not talking about fleshly stuff, guys. I'm talking about when he comes in and does stuff that there's no human explanation for it where we all look at each other and say, look, look, look what the Lord has done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, verse 44. And Jesus said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me, concerning the Lord Jesus and he opened their understanding, he opened their minds that they may comprehend the scriptures. You know, he said there, he referenced the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. In John 16, he talks about the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. You know, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you in the truth. He'll open up the eyes of your understanding, your mind. And I encourage you, to invite the Holy Spirit into when you read the Bible. And you say, oh, Holy Spirit, cause the word of God to come alive in me. How many have ever read the Bible? One, two, five, 10, 50, 100 times one scripture. And then all of a sudden one day, bing, it's like, golly, I've never seen that. That's the Holy Spirit. He wants to lead us and guide us into truth. Keep reading with me, verse 46. Then Jesus said to them, thus it was necessary were written that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This was the fulfillment of prophecy. Verse 47. Now, I want you to watch the progression here of Jesus' words. And I believe this speaks directly to me and you. 
And that repentance and remission or forgiveness of sin should be preached in Jesus' name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. What you just read was salvation. That we must preach forgiveness and the remission of sin. That comes when you get born again. That is the very first thing that Jesus highlighted. And I don't believe the church can ever get away from evangelizing. We, we can never forget this because he said to all nations. He said starting with Jerusalem. And then he said to all nations. So guess what? People everywhere are important to God. He's wanting us to be his messengers. So the very first thing he says, get people born again. Verse 48. And that you, you who are born again, become witnesses, become messengers of these things. Now what Jesus did, he said, once you got born again, I'm putting you on assignment. You become his messenger. You're commissioned for that. And this is the good part right here. Jesus doesn't pat him on the back and say, Good luck, fellas. Look what he says in verse 49. Behold, I send the promise upon my Father upon you. Father, Son, you see it already. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You are endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. They are not to begin their mission until they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Nothing's changed. I like the wording there. You shall be endued. You shall be clothed with power from on high. And so I give my heart to Jesus. And I get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't understand everything about the Holy Spirit, but the more I begin to study him and the more I get around the Holy Spirit, the more I start seeing change in my life. Pastor, are you perfect? Not even close. But something happens when I say this. Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. The Amplified says... We are to be filled over and over and over and over. You know why? Because we're human beings. And because we're human beings, we leak. And because we leak, we need to be refilled. One of the greatest analogies I can give you, wouldn't it be nice to put gas in your car one time and you never need it again? Great thought, Pastor. Well, see, we understand that analogy. So as I'm busy, as I'm going here and going there and going there, my, my gas gauge just starts going down, down, down. And guess what? After a period of time, you got to fill it back up. Well, that's what happens with the Holy Spirit. And so the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 says, you must be filled over and over and over again. So my prayer for my life is when I wake up in the morning, whoo, good morning, Holy Spirit. I welcome you into my day. 
Romans 8, 14, he said, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Romans 8, 16, he said, the Spirit of God will bear witness with your spirit. So what begins to happen is I begin to say, fill me with you, your, your spirit today. Holy Spirit, fill me back up, and I ask you today to lead me. I ask you to bear witness with my spirit. And so when I go to bed at night, I think, oh, thank you today, Holy Spirit. Thank you for another great day. Now, I want to take you to one last scripture. You're real close. Turn to uh, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter number 11. There's two ways I find biblically to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the first one today. So I'm 19 years old. I've heard this man who had a sixth grade education speak for five straight days on the Holy Spirit. And I was in a big, big sanctuary. And every day that I came in there, I sat in the back. The reason I sat in the back is because I didn't feel worthy to be there. I had incredible shame and guilt in my life. And I kept hearing this guy talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember those days thinking, the Holy Hoof? And my brother had been born again for several years. And so I'd sit by him and I, I would ask him questions after questions. And then the last day, the guy gave this invitation. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. He said, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You know why He's my heavenly Father? Because Jesus is Lord of my life. I had been born again. But the Lord Jesus knew there, would, there was more that I needed than just to be born again. And so I remember looking at my brother and saying, so all I got to do is ask for the Holy Spirit? And he said, yeah. Yeah. And the guy waved us down. He said, just come on down to the altar. Come down to the presence of the Lord. And I remember that day. Probably a thousand people there. I didn't just lollygag down. I took off, man. I marched down there and I thought, you know what? If, if this holy who is everything that Jesus says, I got to have him. And so I remember going down there and I said, okay, Father God, I, I received the Holy Spirit. I ask you for it. And whoop, here it is. Something started happening on the inside. And it started manifest, manifest, manifestation on the outside. And I began to see huge changes in my life. And it was almost unexplainable. And so the more I'm around the Holy Spirit to this day, the more I relinquish control to him, the more I respond to him. And when I talk about him responding with me, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak in an audible voice. He doesn't say, hey, John. Or he doesn't say, hey, stupid. 
Are you listening? He doesn't ride in the sky in cursive. He moves within my heart. And he begins to move in a tangible way. And he sometimes, he kind of scratches at my heart like, don't do that. And the more I respond to him, the better off my life is. And I remember one day I I was in a store and and this thought came, just steal that. And I thought, just steal that. And the Holy Spirit began to work in me. Just in areas like that. I could give you a Brazilian. What's a Brazilian? Well, it's close to a billion. A Brazilian answer or, or stories about how the Holy Spirit just moves in me. And even here in, in, in the praise and worship, when the Word of God came, that's the Holy Spirit, that's a God thought. I don't have those thoughts until God comes upon me and I begin to understand the Holy Spirit. And so when I got born again, I didn't know how to be a Christian, but the Holy Spirit knew how. When I got married, I didn't know how to be a good husband. How many of you, when you got married, were a good husband? Now, don't lie. How many of you had kids? You figure out real quick, I got all this together. You're really lying now. I didn't understand stuff, but the Holy Spirit began to lead me and he began to guide me. And it was that simple. Come into my heart and move with me. And nothing's changed. I'm going to have you stand up right there where you're at. I got to be careful because I'm kind of like a kid in a candy shop. I I start just scripture here and there. But I, I can tell the Lord is wanting us to go just week by week. And to show you the significance of salvation. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he highlighted two baptisms. Water and the Holy Spirit. Two totally different baptisms. I ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. You know, over and over we've seen just through the scriptures today. The way God set things up. And the beginning point to being a Christian is what the Lord said to to Nicodemus in John 3. said, you must be born again. You must be born again. And to be born again is I come before Father God and I, I confess my sin. And I ask Father God to forgive me. And then I say, Lord Jesus, will you come into my heart and be Lord of my life? I I receive you as Lord today. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as Lord of your life or you say, "I, I, I I haven't served Jesus with all my heart. I need to come back to the Lord today. You know what? He welcomes you too. If that's you that's here today, I welcome you right now. And I ask you just to get out of your seat and to walk the aisle and to come down here. And we want to pray with you. God loves you, okay? God's not mad at you. 
Well, we'll take it all that you're all right with Jesus today. Before I go to the next one, I was reading an article this week on the great evangelist Billy Graham. And it said Billy Graham had a simple prayer every day. And you know what he said? Father God, forgive me and help me. It showed me that this great man of God still had to repent and he still had to ask God for help every day. What would happen if we just said, Father God, forgive me and help me today? Sincerely. So we get back to the last part here of what the Lord Jesus said in Luke 24. And then again in Luke 11 where he said, if any of you will ask the Father, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. If that's you today and you say, you know what? I'm ready for this. I need the Holy Spirit. If you say, I've been filled with the, I, I need a fresh and filling. I've leaked it. I've leaked bad, Pastor. I'm going to throw out a third one today. If you're not totally sure about this yet, come back next Sunday, okay? That's why I highlighted, I sat for five days and I just kept hearing that. And I just kept hearing the word of God. I'm going to have our praise and worship team begin to sing. And if you desire to be filled or you say, I, I need some fresh power. I need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit today. I welcome you to come down here to fill me back up, Holy Spirit. I ask you. I ask you. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.